Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. ESNY. everyone back to another episode of the hoops addicts anonymous podcast an elite sports ny production recording on the evening of march 22nd it's a monday a little before 8 p.m at night rolling as always with my co-host chip murphy chip what's going on man how you doing i'm great man trade deadline week dude so, it is- very excited right now very excited. So yeah. much news. Uh, Twitter is literally the only thing I'm looking at all day, every day. Uh, of course, you got to have your favorite writers notifications on for sure. Um, there's a lot of news, rumors, things that are being broken down pretty much on the daily. Um, we have a very jam-packed episode tonight. Uh, we are going to start off with some, some trade rumors stuff. As trade deadline is is fast approaching, Thursday is the deadline. Um, but we also have some more team specific stuff for you guys tonight as well. Later on in the episode, we will be talking to Joe Molinax, who covers uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, Grizzly Bear Blues. So that is going to be a great as well. Um, but we're going to start off with the trade deadline stuff. So there was a very interesting article that came out in the Athletic today, I believe. Uh, Sam Amick and Jared Weiss broke the news that uh, Aaron Gordon has requested, formally requested a trade from the Orlando Magic. Uh, big news for sure. We, have, we know there's a lot of teams that are interested. The Boston Celtics being one of them. They're definitely in, in a crunch right now to add some players to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. They've had a slow start to the season. They have a massive trade exception, uh, which they can use here. Um, a lot of stuff going around. Uh, Chip just... What's, what's kind of your first thoughts, whether it's Gordon-related or any other news that, that broke today at all? Yeah, I, I think the report said that he asked for the trade back in February, too, like through his agent or whatever. So it makes a lot of sense now, knowing that we've seen all these reports about how all, every team in the NBA has been interested in Aaron Gordon. So that makes sense now. We've seen all these teams like Houston, Portland, Minnesota, and now Boston, too. We know they're desperate for someone, it seems like. But my first reaction was, yeah, it's it's finally going to happen. Aaron Gordon's finally going to be traded by the Orlando Magic. But, I, I mean, he makes sense in Boston. Yeah, That's the one everyone was talking about today, right? He would be great for them. I, I think the article was talking about him as a possible replacement in that Gordon Hayward secondary playmaker role. And he'd be great there. I, I'm just not sure like what what's the the deal there that boston would be willing to part with like danny ainge is obviously notorious for 
not giving anything up, is he going to be willing to trade like a Romeo Langford? Yeah, which is what I would want if I were Orlando. Like, and Danny Ainge doesn't trade players or picks that people want. So is he going to be willing to give up something to get Aaron Gordon? That's the question there. So that's that was my first thought on Gordon is Gordon to the Celtics makes sense, but I don't know if it's going to happen. And also the the I saw the Bleach Report article. I keep forgetting. Is it Jake Fisher? Is that the guy's name? The Bleach Report guy? I keep forgetting his name. Sounds I think right. it's yeah, I think it's Jake Fisher. He had a, a report today and it was uh Devontae Graham. Yeah. And the Knicks are a team to watch on Devontae Graham, the Knicks and the Pacers. And I mean, that's obviously I'm a huge Devontae Graham guy. So that obviously really interested me because I don't think we've seen the Knicks actually linked to Devontae Graham at all. Like in any way up until now. So I, that was really interesting to me. I, I'm not saying I think the Knicks are going to get Devontae Graham. Even in the report, the guy was talking about how the, the Hornets are probably leaning more towards resigning him. And he was talking about like contract terms, but apparently the Knicks have been engaged on talking with the Hornets. So it, it seems like all these reports, the Knicks have, have been in on players. Like, you know, the, we've seen uh, the Lonzo ball stuff has been really picking up recently. Right. And uh, that that's, I guess the most interesting one to everybody else like is Lonzo, but, I guess now coming down the pipe, the Gordon was the the big story today that he he is obviously clearly on his way out because he asked for the trade. But the most interesting storylines are Old Depot, you know, because God Houston just keeps losing, and you figure if anyone is certainly going to be traded, it's him. And I guess Lamarcus Aldridge is Lamarcus Aldridge actually going to get traded? Yeah, I, I I assume he's going to be bought out, right? And yeah. then is Kyle Lowry actually going to be traded? Yeah. Lowry is a really interesting one for me too. I just, I don't know. It, it, it depends on um, like in, in the article that I, I forget whether it was Shams or, or one of the other writers from the athletic wrote, they were really bouncing back and forth this idea between like, you know, making sure that he is traded prior to the deadline so that the Raptors get something for him so that they don't lose him in free agency. This also dovetails with Lowry's preference to play for a contender, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, if they want to let him be in the driver's seat, if they feel like, if they feel like the deal is not going to be good for the Raptors, then they'll let him play out the last year, let him have maybe a more ceremonious ending with the franchise and then allow him to kind of dictate where he wants to go uh, and for what price, whatever it is in free agency. So that's really interesting to me as we get closer. Um, and, 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 and how does Daryl Morey like respond to that? Does he, does he feel the need to strike now? And, or maybe, maybe he feels if I'm him, right. There's, there's a lot of different ways of thinking that can go into it. You could say, well, I see what's going on in Brooklyn. And once KD gets back, once everybody's healthy, that team is going to be a nightmare to deal with. Maybe your best chance at getting to the NBA Finals in the East is while the Nets are still figuring out who they are 
you know, while they're still kind of tinkering with things as the Miami Heat were doing early on. Um, and maybe that makes him a little bit more urgent in the sense of, okay, I've got to get a guy like Lowry, who's such a great leader, um, a really good shooter, playoff tested, all of that stuff. I wonder if that's kind of a, you know, maybe something that he's really thinking about as we, as we get closer to Thursday. Yeah. Does he do what he did in Houston with the Warriors where everybody else backed off and didn't even try and compete with them. And he went and got Chris Paul. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of teams, maybe they'll consider the same strategy and just be like, Oh, you know, the Nets got this. And that's, I don't know if he has that in him to do that. And I think Danny Ainge is kind of the same way, like where, and I think Masai Ujiri, maybe a little bit too. That's why I, I can't see the Raptors have been so good for so long. And that's why I think that, I have a hard time seeing Kyle Lowry be traded yeah, unless he asked for one. But right. yeah, I think, I think if there's a star available, yeah, you know, the Sixers are going to be there. Maury's going to be there <laughs> trying to get him, dude. Like, and if Kyle Lowry's available, that's always going to be the Kyle Lowry team, you know, cause he's from Philly and it just yeah. makes sense. It just makes sense there. And you know, the next, the next star up, Philly's going to be linked Simmons for insert star here. Yeah. That's the trade. That's the trade. It's true. Um, you talked about Lonzo a little bit earlier too. There was one other report from the athletic that I thought we could talk about. It's, it's so interesting too. Cause I made like a small connection between something I was thinking in the summer. So the Hawks are reportedly interested in Lonzo ball, which is not surprising. Everybody that has a need in, in a, you know, for a guard that can create shoot and defend, should be interested in Lonzo Ball. He's had a great year. Um, but it's interesting to me because I wanted the Hawks if, if um, you know, we were both kind of Tyrese Halliburton guys after we got a chance to talk um, to one of the graduate assistants over there. But I don't know that we were both high on him for the Knicks, but I do remember listening to one of those draft podcasts over the summer and um, a lot of people liked Tyrese Halliburton for the Hawks just because similar to his situation in Sacramento, right? He's got a lead guard in De'Aaron Fox who's a blur and, and breaks the defense down, kicks out to him for an open shot or kicks, kicks, for him, kicks out to him and then, you know, the defenders are out in a closeout. He breaks down the D again secondarily, makes plays or creates for himself. So I think – the Hawks, you know, that's a great fit there. It's just so interesting that they are kind of interested in Lonzo because they spent a ton of money in the offseason. They got Bogdanovich. They're 8-0 or maybe they're 9-0 now. I haven't looked recently. Now with Nate McMillan taking an interim role as coach. Um, so it's interesting that their name is connected with Lonzo. But I, I, I do wonder what they would have to give up. If the market for Aaron Gordon is two first-round picks – um, and obviously Gordon is, I think, better That's, than Ball. But I, I do wonder what, what Ball would command as well. They're both going to be restricted free agents, I think. So That's the facetious market that Orlando is putting out there, I think. Two first-round picks. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'd be interested to see what, what eventually ha- – like, gun to your head, Chip, do you think – do you think Gordon definitely gets dealt before? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
I think when he when you publicly ask for a trade, you almost always get traded, right? Right, right. Not that he publicly asked for it, but right. The the request was like it. He privately requested one in February, and now it's becoming public because he was probably hoping to have been traded by now. So then I think the guys that we can safely assume are going to be dealt by Thursday. I don't know. I mean, I guess there's Gordon. I think Oladipo, Oladipo, Oladipo I would put is in there. What I'm thinking. So Oladipo and Gordon, I think, are the ones that I'm thinking. Oladipo, at least from what I've read, doesn't seem like he has any interest in playing for this team anymore. So that's got to motivate them. I'm not sure if Lonzo gets dealt. Um, and then the other uh, guy that I was thinking of, uh, again, another part of this athletic um, report that came out is that the Mavs have been in play for John Collins. And apparently there's even a deal that's been talked about with Maxi Kleba might maybe involved yeah. as well. Celtics um, too. Celtics yeah. love him too. The yeah. Celtics love everybody, but right, of course. Yeah. Jalen Brown for John Collins was something I saw. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if I would, uh, I mean, if I'm Boston and I know that they're not in like a great position of strength, but I'm, I'm looking at, yeah, I'm looking at KOC's report on Collins. Now he has Kings, Mavs, Pistons, and T-Wolves all like Collins. So, I mean, when you have that many teams to your point like when there's that many teams showing interest, it, it seems like there's a high chance of a trade because they're probably they're probably making calls or fielding calls from all these teams. Yeah. And there's been so much smoke for so long about a Collins trade. I, I don't know. We'll, right. we'll see. Yeah. I mean, who, who do you think is more likely to get moved? Collins or Lonzo? I would say I would say Collins just because I just feel like I don't know. Don't get me wrong. Like the Hawks recent success does make me think twice about saying Collins. Um, I just think, I don't know, man, they, they have Deandre Hunter is about to come back. I believe his first game is next Monday. I think it's tonight. Um, I think he plays tonight. So there we go. So it's this this Monday, right? So it's tonight. Um, They have Capella, uh, you know, I know that we haven't seen or heard much from, from their rookie, but reddish you know at some point one of these guys from their depth of versatile forwards has to go because they're just not going to be able to find minutes for everybody like it's just it's not going to happen now Collins has been playing well so I think that's why he's seen the majority of them but I just don't I don't see a world where you know they're going to extend him or give him money um, you know, and they have I, so much money to Capella and Gallinari, right? Unless now, unless, you know, they are really serious about trading Bogdanovich and but they just paid Bogdanovich. I know, but it's fun, but it's, it's just, you, it's funny, but I, I've seen his name listed here. I just, I, I know rare that know. you don't see, you know, guys that are listed there, but, um, it could be maybe they have some questions about fit. I don't know. Well, the low was talking about this on his podcast. The the Collins Capella fit has been a lot better than people thought it would be. Yeah. So maybe that's factoring into their minds. Yeah. Right. Maybe they were planning on moving him and maybe they're reconsidering it. I don't know. But 
I just, I, I agree with you that I think Collins uh, a likely trade target and He's just, like I said earlier, there's just been so much smoke around him for a long yeah. time that I feel like where there's where there's smoke, there's fire. I think it's – I put him up there, not necessarily – I think Oladipo and uh, – oh, God, I forgot. Who were we? Oh, were we uh, no, it was, it was Oladipo and Gordon. <laughs> Oladipo and Gordon. Oh, my God. Oladipo but, and AG. But on that, on that level too, Chip, and I know you're a big fan of, of the magic, like – Fournier's got to be up there as well, right? I mean, like as a guy who's who's really probably going to get dealt. Um, I mean, the market's definitely going to be big for him. I'm sure there's plenty of teams that that would take him. Yeah, I'm sure there are. There was, I, I think Dallas is interested in him, right? That's what came out today. Dallas would like to have him. They, they have to be desperate for scoring, right? And someone who can hit a shot when Luca passes him the ball, right? So, I. Yeah, I, I think it's I'm trying to think if it's more likely AG gets moved or Fournier, but I mean he's on an expiring, so it's hard to imagine he doesn't get moved. But yeah. I'm writing something now about him, and in it, in the piece, I'm writing like Orlando's not just going to give him away. Like they're oh. not they're not in an Oklahoma City Presti fire sale mode. Right. They want to compete next year when Fultz and Isaac come back healthy and Vooch is there and they want to see what those guys all look like with Cole Anthony healthy too. Yeah. And so I wouldn't completely rule out them holding on to Fournier for that reason. Right. But the fact that AG requested a trade might shake things up. I don't know, but it's just a, a weird situation there because they're they're so they're so weird all these weird trade demands that they have this stuff that comes out about them that they have these high asking prices that yeah. and I, I don't know I, I wouldn't be surprised if they hold on to Fournier though I I really wouldn't no I I think you're right like I it's funny like we have this preconceived notion that no matter what, right? If a guy is on an expiring, it's like, well, you can't lose him for nothing, right? You yeah, Bobby Marks was talking about that but on, on low post, yeah. It, it's just funny because I think, like, you know, teams also feel like, yeah, but we're not going to get hoodwinked in a deal. Like, we're not, you know, if we feel like there's market value, we're not going to go so low on the market value. And who knows? Honestly, Chip, I feel like maybe that something might happen with Oladipo surrounding that too because I feel like, Everything I keep hearing about Oladipo is that like teams keep lowballing them. Like teams are like whether it's his injury history or whatever. Like teams are not trying to shell out what Houston wants. Um, and so I I don't you know like I do I do feel feel like he'll get traded just because I think there's a concern. <laughs> like I don't know that the morale could get that much lower over there in Houston, but maybe it could. I don't know. But I just feel like there's a concern that, like, if he really, really doesn't want to be there, like, it could get bad. Um, but I don't know. How much worse can it get? Did you see oh. Steven Silas? He was, like, about to cry in a post-game I, press I, I conference, felt so man. I so bad for the dude, man. I was like, oh, my God. Like, he must be going through it. Like, I, I imagine my bad day coming home from work where I feel, like, you know, pissed off about something that happened drown my sorrows in in a, in a couple of brews and and maybe a a pie of pizza right like i don't know what the hell this dude is is going to do to to take that level of 
what looks like despair and disappointment off him because he literally had his head down for 20 straight seconds and was asked a direct question and just answered with one word. And it looked like, honestly, it didn't look like he was being dramatic. Like it looked like it mustered all of the courage and strength that he had left to just answer that one question. And he was like, just get me out of here. That literally is what it looked like. Just, just, just get me out of here. Let me go home. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, and that's, that's rough. It'd be one thing if you knew you were going to be coaching a shitty team. Right. But you thought you were going to be coaching James Harden when you took that job. Like, man, I can't imagine what that dude is going through. What an awful situation. It's, uh, it's not fun. At and all. it's not going to get any easier. No, it's, it's not. No. Nah. Brutal. Just absolutely brutal there. Yeah. Um, well, I think – you know, I think that's most actually, I mean, we could talk a little bit of Knicks before we get our guy Joe on here. Um, I've been thinking a lot in my head about what I think the Knicks are going to do. I think we both know that there's going, I just saw today, Chip, I don't know if you saw, but they said that Austin Rivers could be a buyout candidate. Um, and that they said that there's teams like Milwaukee that might be interested. Um, I think no matter what, they're, the Knicks will clearly be buyers at the deadline. It's just depending on who is the player, what is the asking price, do they feel that that asking price is going to significantly impact their future? But they seem pretty dead set on adding some type of talent um, to this team before the trade deadline. Like We all know the names that have been rumored. We all know the Oladipos, the Fourniers of the world, J.J. Redick. I mean, for God's sakes, I don't know why, but Andre Drummond, I still don't think that's going to happen, but um, the name has been there. I just, um, I don't know. And then, you know, even back a couple of weeks ago, Beckley had said that I think Buddy Heald uh, was a name, and but Buddy Heald and Lonzo, I think that came out in the same report that those two um, would be, they'd be interested. Or maybe it was Terry Rozier, actually. I think it was Buddy Heald and Terry Rozier. So they're going to do something, I think, but it's just a matter of what they're really willing to pay to get in, to cement their playoff status this year and then see how far they can go. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I, I think there's, there's definitely a lot of rumors that are, are going around for sure. I think it's only going to heat up as things get closer to Thursday. Um, Certainly going to be really interesting to see what what plays out. Chip, any last moment thoughts before we we get our guy Joe on the show? Just that I hope the Knicks do something smart, and I for once I trust the front office to do something smart. Yeah. I I would prefer they do nothing than make some crazy move. I really would like that. We were talking about that earlier, like. I'd be fine if they stood pat and did nothing. I really, I like this team the way it is. So if they do nothing, I'd be okay with that. That'd be fine. Yep. I'm on the same page as mm-hmm. well. Uh, also trust the front office. Um, and I think this, this will be a, the first Leon Rose's first big trade deadline. So, yeah. you know, he has to prove a lot, but I think being a little more conservative and measured is, is probably the way to go. Um, and with that said, uh, we are going to be bringing on our, our guy Joe Molinak soon to talk some Memphis Grizzlies basketball.
And we are back. Um, as we were mentioning before, Chip and I, uh, we are also very pumped and excited to do a Memphis Grizzlies-centered pod tonight as well, in addition to some of our trade deadline talk. I'm sure uh, we'll be able to mix some trade deadline stuff in into here as well. To help us break down uh, everything going on with the Grizzlies, we had to bring back our guy, Joe Molinax, site manager for SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues um, site and host of the Grizzly Bear Blues Live podcast on SB Nation as well. Joe, what's going on, man? How you doing? Not too much. I got to be honest. I, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that you guys had me back on after poo-pooing Tom Thibodeau the way I did the last time I was on your guys' show. And he, hot damn, he might have turned it around here, fellas. Look at this. The Knicks are relevant once again. Who'd have thunk it? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just honored that you have deemed me worthy after that big mistake that I made, poo-pooing on Tom Tibbs. Nah, no worries about it at all. <laughs> no, you were, I, I was almost all the way on your side. I, I, I will fully admit that I wanted them to hire Kenny Atkinson. I will own that mistake. Yeah, for forever, I will own that mistake. So, so I can't be mad at you at all for that one. I was totally wrong about tips. Oh, and it's still hard to say that it was a mistake. Like I, I, and I know I don't want to go off too far on a tangent because I know our time is short. But ah, Atkinson was right there, and Tibbs yeah. has the baggage he has. It's it. I feel like you had a seventy thirty shot, seventy percent likelihood that it was going to fail, thirty percent that it was going to succeed, and. To his credit, uh, so far, the, the Knicks are, uh, I mean, Julius Randle is, is just playing a remarkably yeah. high level of basketball right now. R.J. Barrett looks like a different player than he was last year. Credit to Tibbs. He's he's getting the job done in New York. He let Leon Rose hire the right people around him. I think that That's was That's a good huge. point, too. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. The support system is, is really a big part of it. You can see that in, in some of the things that have been rumored. Um that, that have been kind of talked about. Uh, but, you know, we listen, we've been very happy about the start as Knicks fans for sure. And I'm very interested to hear as, as we kind of transition and start this conversation about the Grizzlies to get really your two cents and thoughts about the start for the season in Memphis. Uh, because I, I'm assuming you could, you could see it a lot of different ways, ways, right? You could see it as glass half full, you could see it as glass half, has half empty. There's been a ton of injuries for this team. They started out really slow. Then they, they, you know, had seven wins in a row. Um, you know, w- with everything that they've kind of experienced, where do you stand right now? Do you feel disappointed as a fan? Do you feel considering the way everything has gone that, um, you know, there's, there's still time and, and you still feel good about the way things have started for the Grizzlies? In terms of their record, I'm thrilled. I don't understand how you can't be thrilled. Well, that's not true. I can't understand because that means that you had expectations going into this year, which I believe the last time I spoke with you guys, I made perfectly clear I did not have expectations. Uh, I just wanted them to grow and get better. Now, if using my lens and my perception of what this season was about, ironically, I think there's more room for you to be disappointed. Like John Morant has done some really good things this year but he's also struggled mightily. Like he is not shooting the basketball well at all from three point range. People like to point out, but if you look at all of his percentages, he's not shooting the ball. Well, period in terms of where you would expect him to grow and develop offensively. And then defensively, you can argue he's been one of the worst players in the NBA. Like he's having a Trey young esque season 
on the perimeter as a defender. So I think you could, and I know there's a lot of games still to be played. Jaw has kind of regressed in some ways. I don't know that you could say his sophomore year is better than his rookie year at this point. There's still plenty of games to be played. He can turn it around, but there's concern isn't the right word, but I think that disappointment word in terms of if you're going to have the goal of growth, I don't know that we're seeing that with Ja Morant at this point in the season. You're definitely not seeing it with Jaron Jackson Jr. because he hasn't played. He had the full meniscus replacement, and they're being extra cautious with him. If you watch Christos Porzingis, who I know you guys are familiar with, obviously, you watch him play defense right now, I'm totally okay with them being cautious, cautious, excuse me, cautious with Jaron. Uh, it looks like Kristaps came back a little bit early. I know he had the ACL issue too, but he, he just definitely does not seem like he's the same player coming off of his meniscus issue. So I'm totally fine with them being patient with Jaron. And, you know, you, you look at the roster. Part of my goal was to figure out who should play with Ja and Jaron long-term. You have players like D'Anthony Melton, who the analytics love, the eye test loves. You know, he's having a really good season, but he's 10th on the team in minutes. The Grizzlies head coach, Taylor Jenkins, for whatever reason, won't play him. He, he chooses to play Grayson Allen, you know, limited floor or limited ceiling Grayson Allen, who's older than half the roster um, and, and on a rookie contract. You know, he chooses to play Grayson, who's done some good things in fairness to Grayson. But I don't know. It seems like with DeAnthony Melton, it's the first time that there's a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff. I don't think the front office is as high on Grayson Allen as Jalen Jenkins is. At least that's the, the vibe that I'm getting from following the team. So I don't want it to make it sound doom and gloom because it's not that. I mean, I believe Memphis is one game under 500 heading into Monday's game with Boston. So they're, they're very comfortably in the play-in conversation, you know, which was the goal all along. Uh, was to be in that top 10 mix, and they're definitely that. Uh, they're a team that is interesting at the deadline because they can do a little bit of anything and everything. They, they could be sellers. They could be buyers. They could stand pat. You know, you can make an argument across the board. Um, but for me, I wanted to have a better understanding of what Justice Winslow was alongside this team. I wanted to have a better comprehension of how players like Melton – players like Kyle Anderson, who had especially a strong first half of the season. Anderson, uh, for a stretch there, was a dark horse, most improved player candidate. Um, so it, it's been a weird year, which isn't really too surprising, given the fact it's been a weird year for everybody. Um, in terms of overall record, I am not disappointed. I am disappointed in that we are not as close to the answer who fits best next to John Jaron. We're not as close to that as I thought we would be. Desmond Bain, I think, is in that mix because he's such a great bargain contract. Uh, you know, I, I think, obviously, they signed DeAnthony Melton to the deal they did. Maybe he's a trade piece, but I, I feel like he makes a lot of sense on this team, the way that he defends and he runs in transition. I think he is a natural fit next to Jaw. But, again, the Grayson Allen obsession, the, the way that they have just completely forgotten Gorgie Jang exists, even though he has played pretty well for Memphis at times. Um, the, the refusal to go to an 11-man rotation, it's just been a hit-or-miss kind of thing, and, and I guess that makes sense when you're dealing with a mediocre basketball team. The record says they're mediocre, and, and that's pretty on point. 
Well, I think you kind of answered my question about how you feel about the coach's rotations and him not using, cause I've seen, I follow you on Twitter. So I've, I've seen your tweets about Desmond Bain. So I obviously I wanted to talk to you about Desmond Bain. I'm kind of creepily obsessed yeah. with Desmond Bain. <laughs> um, for any of your listeners that like John Oliver, it's a very John Oliver to Adam Driver relationship. I'm John <laughs> Oliver and I want Desmond Bain to crush my throat a la John Oliver, uh, <laughs> Adam Driver. Um, so no, I, I'm borderline obsessed with Desmond Bain, but it, it, DeAnthony Melton right now, you know, uh, Keith Parrish, Fast Break Breakfast, does a great job over there with their podcast. He's a Melton guy. And DeAnthony Melton looks fantastic. Like, he plays really, really good basketball. And he's shooting better than he's ever shot before. I think he's shooting over 40% from three. And they still won't play him. But they play Grayson Allen. It's The, the rotation is confusing to me because it doesn't scream we're trying to figure out what the long-term vision of the roster is. And I'm not saying tank because Melton to me is a better basketball player. You're killing two birds with one stone. You, you play Melton more. You shop Grayson Allen along with Gorgie Jang. See if that gets you something in a trade. It, it just makes so much sense to me, but apparently it does not make sense to the Grizzlies coaching staff. The rotation, and I want to be clear, my opinion is a minority one over at our blog. Like a lot of the people on our blog, again, Grayson Allen has had a good season. He does exactly what Taylor Jenkins wants him to do. He shoots a S ton of threes and he defends without fouling. And those are things that DeAnthony has struggled with at times. And those are things that Desmond Bain has struggled with at times. But at the same time, Bain is going to be on this team for a long time. At least you would imagine. DeAnthony Melton is going to be on this team a lot of time. You're eventually going to have to pay Grayson Allen seven to $8 million a year. I don't want to pay Grayson Allen $8 million a year. That is not attractive to me at all. That's going to be attractive to the Oklahoma City Thunder, maybe, with all the cap space they're going to have. That's going to be attractive to maybe even, say, the New York Knicks, who are going to try to be in the mix for a, a big-time free agent, and they're looking for cheap help. You know, that, that could be a, a selling point. I, I, I just don't understand the ob- obsession. And obsession is maybe just me being frustrated. He does what Jenkins wants him to do, but he doesn't have the ceiling that Bain and Melton do. And it feels like you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. I think every coach has their grace and Allen. They're right. That, that right. fans are like, why is this guy playing over our guy? Like that fans just don't understand. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Cause we all watch our coaches go through that. And Tibbs, Tibbs does that too with us, with the Knicks. And I, I think every coach has a, has a guy where they just lean on him to an unreasonable amount. Yeah. It's just makes sense to me. And that probably is true. You know, Grayson, and again, I want to reiterate, Grayson shoots the three well. Grayson defends without fouling. Those are two things that Jenkins very clearly prioritizes. And, you know, Desmond Bain did well as a starter for a stretch, and then he had a few bad games, and he lost his spot. Melton has never really gotten a look, which I really struggle with. I, I at this stage, would give Melton that chance. Because, again, I am a Desmond Bain guy. I think Bain is the you know, John Morant is obviously an elite athlete. Jonas Valanciunas is an elite rebounder. Uh, Desmond Bain is an elite three-point shooter. Even as a rookie in the NBA, I think it's fair to call him an elite three-point shooter. We don't have many guys that are elite at anything. Desmond Bain is really, or excuse me, DeAnthony Melton is really good at everything, especially three-point shooting now. And with, with Desmond Bain struggling when he was a starter, Melton should be the next guy. But they just... 
really like Grayson Allen and what he brings to the table. So uh, until he is no longer here, which maybe in three days he won't be, but I anticipate he will be. And, you know, it'll be a Grayson, Bain, Melton kind of mix there at the two uh, the rest of the season, at least. Getting back to Morant just for a second, he he's clearly, as you alluded to earlier with his defense, especially, and his three-point shot is really struggling. He's regressed this year. Is there anything more to it in your opinion, or is it just kind of a sophomore slump? Well, I think it's fair to say he misses his seven-foot unicorn buddy, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. When you are playing pick-and-roll defense and your main partner in that regard is Jonas Valanciunas, who also sucks at pick-and-roll defense, you're going to have issues. Um, and, And as I wrote about recently for the blog, there are tiers of tolerance, right? Like with John Morant, he... He's 21 years old. He plays point guard. He has a high usage rate. He's so important to the team's offense. You forgive some defensive lapses. You don't forgive him regressing the way he has. I do think especially defensively, that is the fairest way to put it. He has regressed defensively. Um, Last year, comparing him to Trey Young wasn't fair. Like John Morant was below average at worst as a defender last season. Uh, You could make an argument pretty easily, I think, that he was average as a defender. This year, he's one of the worst in the NBA. Like, there's no denying that. But I do believe that is in part because his main guy that he's working with is Jonas Valanciunas, who I don't say this because obviously professional athletes are professional athletes. I might be as laterally quick as Jonas Valanciunas. (laughs) Um, It's all drop coverage all the time. They don't trust him to do anything in terms of hedging, trying to stop penetration. Two bad defenders being picked on that are so important to the Grizzlies' offense, that, that's going to take its toll over time. And I think that Ja really misses Jaron. Obviously, having that pick-and-pop potential, he misses him offensively, but I think it's more pronounced defensively. Uh, I do believe that when Morant has the opportunity to be back with Jaron, things will improve on that front. I also believe that you need that offensive weapon You know, Kyle Anderson's starting at the four right now. You could make a realistic argument that Kyle Anderson is the third best Grizzlies offensive weapon uh, because of his combination of shooting and scoring the way that he shot the ball better this year. That's not ideal in in any way, shape, or form. And if you want to raise your hand and say, whoa, 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 Joe, Kyle Anderson is not the third best offensive option on the Grizzlies. It's Dylan Brooks. Well, now you're opening up a whole new can of worms, right? Like that's, uh, I don't know that you really want to have that argument. And uh, I believe Keith Parrish, again, bringing up Fast Break Breakfast, he tweeted out something along the lines that no team in the NBA starts two players that have the uh, low effective or, or effective field goal percentage that Grayson Allen and Dylan Brooks do. So Ja just doesn't have the weapons around him right now to, to really be at the peak of his powers. And that's to be expected when you're a 21 year old point guard, you know, he, he's not Zion Williamson. He doesn't have that elite size and elite combination of size and athleticism. You know, he, he doesn't have that stroke of a three point shot yet. You're able to condense him a little bit more than people care to admit. And to me, the defensive thing is both the larger concern and the potentially most fixable when you replace Jonas Valanciunas eventually with someone who isn't a traffic cone uh, like Jonas is. And, and again, it's a tier of tolerance thing. John Morant is your franchise player. John Morant is the guy that's going to be here the next, hopefully, 10 years. Jonas Valanciunas is not that. 
So you can stomach it a little bit more when Josh struggles. When Jonas does, you know, it, it makes you even more frustrated. The, the combination of the two has not worked out defensively, especially. Okay. So you see it, Ja, as a higher ceiling player than Trey Young. Because like Trey Young's critics are got people and I don't see Trey Young as a, a best player on a championship team guy either because of his defense. Because I mean, he has a Clint Capella type guy who I'm sure you would obviously prefer based on your uh, description of a big man to have with Ja. But do you see uh, Ja as a higher ceiling than Trey? Absolutely. Like It's not even close in my opinion. And the reason I say that is because of the fact that Ja Morant has a frame. You know, he's a longer player. He has an athleticism that he can be a better defender. I'm not sure Trey Young has that capacity physically. Obviously, Trey is a better offensive player right now. And, I mean, he'll have that range. And I don't know that Ja will ever have the range that Trey Young does. But all you need is for Ja to become, what, a 34% three-point shooter, a 33% three-point shooter, which I feel like is within the realm of possibility. And if that happens, you have to respect him enough that he's going to have more room to work with on pick and rolls. And, and again, it can be as simple as, you know, Jonas Valanciunas isn't a three-point threat. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a volume three-point shooter. So when you play pick and pop with Jaron or pick and roll sets with Jaron, it's a completely different look. Teams have to respect what Jaron Jackson Jr. can do on the perimeter. They don't respect Jonas in the same way. So, or Kyle Anderson for that matter. So it, it really is a situation where I think Ja is 21 years old, and I'm going to keep saying that. He is a point guard, which is the position in the NBA that is the hardest to get used to in, in terms of having the role that he does. And they're not a finished product. You know, we have to remember this is year two of the full rebuild for this team. Mike Conley was still on this team two years ago at this stage. You're not going to say that they're in a rebuild when Mike Conley's on this team. So this is the second full year of their rebuild. They made the play-in last season. They're expected to, at this stage, given the schedule that's left, be in the mix that last couple of weeks of the season to be in the play-in again. To be competitive as you rebuild, that is something that I think holds tremendous value. These guys are playing meaningful basketball. They're not playing in a tanking situation. But they're also being patient and understanding that their time isn't right now to be a championship contender. That's two or three years down the road, hopefully. And they're, they're playing the long game pretty effectively, in my opinion. So I think that you're looking for a return to form for Jaw in terms of being able to score the basketball, especially. I think the defensive side of things will improve once Jaron is back. Joe, um, you talked about it a little bit earlier in terms of ranking the, the Grizzlies' third best offensive player. And uh, just in looking at your site, I know one of the guys that writes for you and uh, Parker Fleming, he wrote a really great article about kind of assessing that who is the third best player overall. If you had to pick, I know that article was written back in early February. We're now in March. If you had to choose between Jonas, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, who would you pick personally? The third best player on this team is probably Brandon Clark uh, in terms of what he's physically capable of the way that he can defend as a five, especially now that they're playing Brandon as that backup five more consistently. I think it's Brandon Clark. And in talking with people around the NBA, uh, media-wise especially, Brandon Clark, when, when you're asked, you know, who are the untouchable players on the Grizzlies, Brandon Clark is always, almost always mentioned alongside 
Jaw and Jaren. And I never really saw it that way before, but it, because it, you talk about Bradley Beal, which obviously probably isn't happening. You talk about Zach Levine, which seems more attainable. Brandon Clark probably needs to be involved if you're trying to get either of those guards to, to come to Memphis. And then probably even, you know, maybe even a buddy healed or something like that. Like Brandon Clark to me could be a guy that could come in and, and be an asset to a team that's trying to improve and establish a winning culture. But I've talked to people that say Brandon Clark is untouchable. There's no way they're giving up Brandon Clark. And I think that it's because, again, we talk about the next great Grizzlies team a lot. And you mentioned Parker. He does a phenomenal job for us over at the site. If we're looking at this squad and saying, who's going to be on this next great Grizzlies team, Brandon Clark as a reserve, you know, he, he serves as a Montrez Harrell-esque kind of player that's going to be able to come off the, uh, come off the bench, provide energy, provide rim protection. His three-point shooting isn't uh, as terrible as it was uh, initially uh, feared at the beginning of the season. And he's a guy who can create off the dribble a little bit. He's a player who has the athleticism to switch on the perimeter and stick with a wing, even stick with guards at times off the dribble. He has that capacity. So I'm really impressed with the way that he has recovered from off-season injuries. He's gotten himself into condition. And he has a game that is so efficient in terms of finishing at the rim, playing well above the rim as a defender. He is probably that guy in terms of being the third best Grizzlies player right now. And he's definitely that guy. I, if you put a gun to my head and said, okay, who's going to be on the next great Grizzlies team alongside John Jaron? I think Brandon Clark has to be that one seed because of what he does well. Not necessarily because he's going to be a starter, but because he's physically capable of producing at a high level on any given night. And then um, I know another kind of topic that you touched on a little bit as well, but two, it's a two-part question. How do you want the Grizzlies to approach the trade deadline? And uh, how do you think they actually will? How I want them to approach it is to take advantage of teams that are trying to make win now moves, uh, get in as the third team, you know, Gorgie Jang's expiring contract. You know, we, we talked about this the other day over at GBB. We look at Gorgie Jang as a player that makes a lot of sense in our minds for the New York Knicks, because the Knicks could use a center. I know uh, I, I haven't checked today, but the last time I looked, it looks like Mitchell Robinson is going to be coming back soon. Um, you know, maybe the new, the need isn't as pronounced as we think it is. You don't see a ton of buzz from folks like you guys saying, oh yeah, Gorgie Dang makes a lot of sense for a trade. Um, you know, people really kind of see him more as a, as a, uh, uh, buy or a buyout. If the Grizzlies buy him out, maybe you pick him up off of waivers, that sort of thing. Um, I, I hope that they will be active trying to find a way to take advantage of that expiring contract even if that means they lose some flexibility in this upcoming offseason free agency-wise, I foresee them being fairly quiet. I don't necessarily think they're going to do anything too aggressive that's going to directly impact what they're trying to do long-term. If they see opportunity, they'll take advantage of it. I don't see them being players for a superstar like a Bradley Beal, a Zach Levine, until the offseason. I think that they'll have more potential to try to do something like that over the summer. Uh, but I, I think in the here and now, they'll try to move Jiang. They'll try to get a second rounder or two for him to replenish what they did to go get Bain uh, and, and Xavier Tillman in the draft. They'll try to reload their second round stock. 
but beyond that, I don't see them being overly active. I think that they're going to see Jaron Jackson Jr. as a major addition. They're going to try to get Justice Winslow up to speed. They're one of the deepest teams in the NBA as is, given how many games they have to play. I just think they're going to continue to prioritize doing that kind of stuff. I like Gorgie Jang. I, I know him and Tibbs didn't get along in Minnesota, but I would definitely take a shot on him if I were Leon Rose, especially on an expiring. But, Joe, you mentioned uh, Zach Levine and Bradley Beal as uh, potential targets, and that, those would obviously be blockbuster trades, and that's not the kind of deal that Memphis typically makes or a team in a small market makes ever. Uh, and, you know, we saw OKC do that, but they had Russell Westbrook when they traded for Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. I I haven't heard Memphis. Is that like a, a common topic with Grizzlies fans to trade for Zach Levine or Bradley Beal? Beal on Beal is something we talk about all the time, man. It sounds <laughs> neat. You know, Beal Street, Bradley Beal. Uh, I think it was, and obviously you dream as a fan, I believe it was Bobby Marks of ESPN that talked about the Warriors, the Nuggets, and the Grizzlies as three teams that had the mix of need uh, assets to potentially go out and try to get Beal this offseason. And I do think the nice thing about Memphis is they have done so much with the way that they have structured their roster that they can do whatever the hell they want. If they want to go get a Beal or a Levine, they, I think they can. They have to give up a lot. But I think they have enough to be in that conversation. Does Denver have more? Yeah, probably. Do, do the Warriors have more, uh, especially with that, uh, that uh, Minnesota pick mm -hmm. hanging there? Absolutely. I think Golden State has more to offer. But saying Memphis is in that mix is not, not crazy. I don't think that's something that is you know, inappropriate to say. Uh, I do think that they are a team that is going to look to build through the draft. They want cost-controlled assets. That's one of the beauties of Desmond Bain being that 30th pick in the 2020 draft. Um, they love the contract that they got Xavier Tillman on. They are really interested in having descending value contracts like the Anthony Meltons. So I think they understand that they're about to have to pay Jaron Jackson Jr. John Morant's going to be a max contract, you know, rookie extension guy before we know it. And Memphis isn't going to pay the luxury tax. So if you're going to get into that mix of trying to build a roster around, especially job, but Jaron Jackson Jr. as well, you need to have good cost-effective players and you need to be in a position to take swings that are, you know, short-term, you know, Beal having a deal that expires in a couple of years. If the price is right in terms of trade, that doesn't necessarily scare them off because that could, you know, bring down the price a little bit make them competitive in the next couple of years. And obviously that'd be expiring money that they could then put into guys that are already on the roster. So there, there's a lot of directions that it can go and they can take. I'm really intrigued by how they're going to build this up, but they can do pretty much whatever they want. And that to me makes them really attractive uh, moving forward because they can do pretty much anything. They, they're in that hunt. They're in that mix. Uh, regardless of what I want them to do, they have a potential to do pretty much anything they want to do because of their flexibility with what they've built in their draft capital, their cap, uh, their cap space, and a lot of other ways that they've established what this roster is and can be. They've come a long way from Andre Ugadala refusing to show up in Memphis and staying home. Now they're an attractive place to go. That would be something, man.
John Morant and Bradley Beal or John Morant and Zach Levine. Oh my God. In the same backcourt. Absolutely. That, that'd be a lot of fun. And I do think that you have a roster that again, it's malleable, it's flexible and you know what Jaws good at, you know what he's not good at and you want to obviously help him develop, but as much spacing as you can put for him so that he can get to the basket, you know, that Allen Iverson, Russell Westbrook, ask skill set that he possesses you know you want to give him as much space as possible and the best way to do that is surround him with shooting Levine and Beal obviously check those boxes but if the Grizzlies miss the playoffs and they're in the lottery you know Corey Kispert is somebody that could be in their mix you know Jalen Suggs there's a lot of wing depth in this draft and Memphis has draft pick capital that if they want to give up the future Jazz first and their pick this year to move up a few spots if there's somebody they really like, they can do that. You know, they have that flexibility. So whether it's trading for a star, whether it is trying to get into the mix to have some cap space freed up, uh, they, they have a lot of options and angles that they can take. They're not pushed into any corner. And that's fascinating to me. That makes them one of the more interesting teams to follow because they can do pretty much whatever they want. But I could definitely see them being in a place where they're going to prioritize the future. Cause that's what they've talked about all along. They want sustained success. They're not interested in pushing all in right now. So the last thing I expect them to do as they approach the trade deadline is be a buyer. I don't think they're going to go out and get a dramatic upgrade. That's going to push them into the seven or eight seed conversation. They'll try to move off of Gorgie Jang. I think that they'll put themselves in a spot to, that it's understood that they're willing to discuss being parts of three-team deals if it's conducive to them replenishing, like I mentioned earlier, those second-round picks that they had to use to move up for Bain and Tillman. I could see them trying to do that. Uh, they'll probably wind up buying out Jiang if there is no trade, and they'll, they'll just move along with what they've got. They're in a good position in terms of depth. It's a long season. They've got guys that can fill voids uh, if injuries happen or illness happens, unfortunately, in this pandemic campaign. Got to keep that in mind. Um, th they are in a spot where if Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back, th they're going to be locked in even more to that play-in positioning. And if they win the play-in, awesome. They're in the playoffs. That's valuable experience for one of the youngest teams in the NBA. I believe if Gorgie Dang does leave the roster, depending on who comes back, they will move up to being the youngest team in the NBA. Um, you know, that's valuable experience for them. And if they don't make the playoffs, then they're in the lottery and you're adding a lottery talent to a team that has John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr. And a lot of depth already in place. So they really are in a win-win spot, but time is ticking. I do think this is that last season of no expectations. Jaron Jackson Jr. is eligible for his extension this off season. John Morant will be the off season after that. Uh, this is probably that last year of being able of me being able to come on your guys' show and say, oh, everything's great because there's no expectations. Uh, this is probably the last few months of that. This time next year, folks are going to expect playoffs, and you know they're going to have to have a roster that is capable of providing that. Yeah, youth and flexibility is, a, is an interesting and good place to be in the NBA. Um, and I agree. I definitely think that the, the uh, expectations will, will go up there for sure. But, Joe, listen, we hope this is definitely not the last time that you come on the show because we love talking Grizzlies with you. Um, this, this conversation has been great. Uh, you always provide a lot of eye-opening and insightful, uh, insight for us. Um, before we let you go tonight, if, if you could just let everybody know where to find you on Twitter, um, 
And uh, if there's anything you're working on right now and want to promote, so please do so. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Molinax. If you want, you can follow our blog on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. Uh, right now, I'll be honest, um, this is my first time. Uh, I'm a high school football coach by trade and a teacher, and I'm in, a, in the middle of the weirdest season ever. We have spring football here in Northern Virginia, so uh, my football team is currently playing. So I've never had basketball season and football at the same time, obviously. So it's been a bit of a difficult time for me. I do some game coverage here or there, but I'm not writing as much as I normally do. But, you know, you guys mentioned Parker Fleming earlier, Brandon Abraham, Sean Coleman. You know, we have so many great writers and, and contributors over at GBB. We're, we're, we've always been a team, but they've really kind of picked me up here in the last couple of weeks and months. So I, I would say follow at SBN Grizzlies, especially follow me at Joe Molinax. I retweet that stuff. You know, I, I have a remarkably talented staff. I'm very fortunate in that way. And it's, uh, it's a great blog. Uh, one of the best places to catch up on the Grizzlies. We have a podcast network for podcasts that come out every week. Um, anything that you need Grizzlies content related, we're there for you. So check us out there at SBN Grizzlies. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Joe. We very much appreciate it. For anyone listening, please do follow Joe on Twitter. And of course, read, um, as he said, all the great stuff they got going on at Grizzly Bear Blues uh, website for sure. And for everybody else listening, we will talk to you guys soon, especially with the trade deadline coming up. We hope everybody is staying safe.